Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of The New Standard. And always, I want to welcome my partner in crime to my left. What's up, Big Neil? You know, Lance, glorious day. It's weird in the sense that we don't have and haven't had Steelers football to talk about. And that's not to say we expected a long playoff run this year. Not at all. But they gave it hell. They came close to the end. It's more we have the ocean of the business season in front of us. This is really the start of it. And that's a weird feeling. For me, it's weird every year because it, it feels like the NFL season goes so fast with what I do, everything is so constant, and then just the, the, the brakes are slammed on, and then we're like, oh, I'm back to this again, okay, <laughs> and sit and talk about stuff for six months or whatever it is until they're actually back on the field again. But um, I think this is an exciting business season for the Steelers, and we're going to get into some of that today here on The New Standard. I'm doing great, Lance. I hope you are as well. Yeah, this this is uh, and before I do that, I want to uh, thank God, uh, Neil, family, everybody out there. Uh, we are monetized now, so thank you, uh, thank you for that accomplishment. So thank you everybody for supporting the program. Uh, we would not have been able to do it without you. So continue to uh, like and subscribe to the program, please. Um, I think there's a ton of features now that come with monetization. So I think you can do super chats and all that other stuff, but I'm not sure how to do that yet, but we will do that and we'll get all that going. But again, I want to thank all of you for assisting in that uh, because it's a labor of love. It's a grind. And like Neil said, um, you know, it's a grind. Um, And so because of that, um, you know, at the business season, um, I take a deep breath, but I'm excited about the business season. I think um, it, 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 it's my analytical mind starts to start uh, as I start to look at the season um, from a more, uh, you know, from a higher, uh, from a higher perspective and try to get more perspective about it. And, and so I like the business season. It lets me d- dig into the weeds on numbers and stuff like that. But if you want to participate in the program, make sure you go to YouTube, do a search for the new standard, hit that like and subscribe button. If you are listening to the show and you are not subscribed, please subscribe to the show and the title of this particular program. And you can also catch us via podcast, go to a podcast feeder and do a search for the new standard and Mark slash welcome to the program. Comes in, Come hot, in hot, fast and hot, <laughs> and and I'm glad That's Mark the title of the with, the, with the F Mark Canada or excuse me Matt Canada Maple Canada, Canada. <laughs> uh, and the title of this program is Should I Stay or Should I Go after the famous song by the Clash, and of course that question pertains to Matt. Canada, should I stay or should Matt stay or should he go? But before we get into that, uh, any news and notes you want to jump into pertaining to the Steelers? I thought it was a, a big announcement that Minka Fitzpatrick made first team all pro. Um, I was a little disappointed that Cam Hayward didn't get any more uh recognition, I think, for his outstanding season. 
Um, another news, some other news was uh, Brian Flores uh, getting some interviews, but was not hired for the coordinator job for the Cleveland Browns. I think that went to uh, former Lions coach uh, uh, Jim Fisher. Jim who, who did it go to? Schwartz. 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 Why I say Jim Schwartz. Fisher? Bobby Fisher, chess master, Jim Schwartz. <laughs> You're thinking Bobby of Jeff Fisher. Fisher. Yeah, I'm thinking of Jeff Fisher. Uh, and, and so crazy bastard back in the NFL. Any news and notes? Um, along know? with that, I, I would withdraw or I'll, I'll withhold my rant on Cam Hayward not being named to an all-pro team, largely due to the structure of how the all-pro teams are selected. I will get into that at a different time. I will say, though, that the four interior defensive linemen they selected are all worthy. I can't really complain a whole lot about that. But Cam Hayward absolutely played at that level this season and uh, more to come on that. We'll see what Cam's future is. Looks pretty good as far as him staying in Pittsburgh. But I would say as far as news and notes goes, um, I was going to add Flores as well. And I think part of the reason um, I, I will say Jim Schwartz is, is a phenomenal defensive mind and has done very well uh, in stints as a coordinator. Um, maybe not so much as a head coach, but he's uh He's done a great job defensively uh, wherever he's gone. Um, that's a big addition for Cleveland. Though, though, I have been on the Cleveland bandwagon as far as the right personnel moves, the right coaching hires for the last three seasons, and they got jack and squat out of that, so I'm not doing it again. Um, probably a move that won't work out for him. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be permanently entrenched uh, with the popular opinion now. I tried to go against the grain the last couple of years. They just don't seem willing to do the things that uh, they should do, even when they make the right moves. Part of the reason Brian Flores probably was not considered uh, for that position in the end is that he is, from what I'm hearing, a serious candidate for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching position, replacing the legendary Cliff Kingsbury. No coach has made more money doing less in college and the NFL than our buddy Cliff, but Flores his name is very much active in Arizona. That's something to look at um, for uh, the, the, the future as far as what the Steelers would do in his absence. I have no idea. It was basically a newly created position uh, in a way for Flores. I don't know if they will replace that or not, but uh, it, it, it looks strong for him. Not going to, you know, certainly not considering <laughs> everything else that yeah, comes he... with that. I'm not going to bet on it, but. Uh, we hope hope the hope for the best for him, and if he is there, yeah. I, I would expect the Arizona Cardinals to become competitive pretty quickly. He's a great coach. Uh, he has a good track record. So uh, good luck to yeah, Brian uh, Flores. Yeah, I mean, if that happens, I mean, it's a good thing. It shoots my level of pessimism uh, with a big harpoon, and which is a good thing because um, I would have never thought that when you had a standing lawsuit against an organization uh, that you would get hired by any. Uh, participating team in that organization. So I, I would, you know, if you want to avoid the lawsuit, that's a great way of doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to say I nothing mean, of the fact thinking, he's obviously a qualified coach. So I, yeah, I don't like I don't oh, run a multi-billion a dollar and, company. I don't know anything. But, I mean, but here's the funny thing about it. Uh, before we get into the first topic of the show is uh, Kyler Murray might scare anyone away. I, to be honest, that it's, I didn't want to get into it, but since you brought it up, if I was Brian Flores, I wouldn't want the Cardinals job. That's like, no, honestly, no way. I, given the choice between the two, it would be hard 
I don't know which I would take if it had to be Arizona or Denver. I'm not sure which one I would want, but neither of those are, are attractive options in, in my opinion at all. Yeah, but I, I, I think Brian I Flores can, can change a lot of things. One other yeah, news wanna... in note, though, Lance, um, didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to make sure we get this in here. Uh, on uh, Tuesday, the Steelers signed uh, previously injured reserve um, member, wide receiver, um, Anthony Miller to a one-year contract. Anthony Miller was, uh, in my opinion, the guy who was who was most likely to play more of the slot snaps uh, last season. He got hurt early in camp after having a pretty strong camp. He's a former second-round draft pick by the Bears back in the day. Um, so we have two Bears second-round picks uh, coming up for the Steelers this season. But for the Steelers to sign Miller now as opposed to um, – anything else that they could have done with him. What they're basically saying early in the process is uh, rehab, get in shape. We want to see you out in the field. Uh, I, as uh, where I sit right now, I would think he'd make the team. Um, he's, he's a, a solid receiver. He hasn't had a whole lot of time in Pittsburgh, but obviously if they put him on injured reserve in the last year of his contract, and then they signed him to a contract after the, uh, after the season ended, they have interest in him. And I think he could be a very effective experience uh, athletic slot receiver, which is something they really have not had uh, in that position the last few seasons. Um, I liked Anthony Miller. I was big on him um, coming to Pittsburgh. I think he's a good reclamation project. He's got some skills. I don't think he's a, a certainly not a number one receiver, but he's a guy that they can get 50, 60 targets to and do something with. So um, I, I think that shapes a little bit of what the Steelers are thinking as far as their receivers go. You've still got Steven Sims there. You'll have Calvin Austin coming back off of injured reserve uh, from his rookie season as well. It'll be competitive for those last couple spots uh, among receivers. And I, I think Miller factors into that pretty well. Yeah, when you look at some of the numbers uh, with the Steelers offense, and we'll dig into some of those a little bit later, uh, they need some juice. So if, if he's a player that can provide some juice, provide some big playability, um, it, it, it is absolutely necessary. But last week, Neil, I talked about in your absence, uh, was the Steelers season successful? And I concluded that the season was successful basically because I said that success and your definition of success is relative to what your expectations were for the season. And then you could sprinkle some other things in there as well. So my expectation for the season, as I dug into it, on the last show was seven and 10. They exceeded that. They were nine and eight. And the other big theme for me in terms of a success was I thought it was critical that the Steelers come out of this season identifying their quarterback of the future. And I think those two things happen. I think they identified Kenny P as the next guy. I think the nation, the team, the ownership, everyone is pleased with the maturation and progression of Kenny Pickett. They won nine games. Of course, Mike Tomlin extended the dreaded winning streak, <laughs> non-losing season streak that Steeler fans, still, some still Steeler fans that. mysteriously seem to hate. Um, but, Neil, let me toss it to you because we did not uh, do a show together last week. From your perspective, and that's the key, that's the key thing, quote-unquote perspective, from your perspective, was the Steelers' season – successful uh from my perspective i would say yes bullet points 
I expected them to have at least two fewer losses than they did. In fact, my prediction uh, was contingent upon a healthy TJ Watt. You might remember that, Lance, when the one dude totally went nuts on me for allegedly uh, predicting a Watt injury. Um, I would like to say that that did happen the way that I said that it was going to happen. But without Watt, I said they'd be worse than 7-10. and 10. With Watt, I said they'd be 7-10. and 10. Um, I think from that end, it was a success. Now, I can't ignore the fact that they didn't advance to the postseason. They're obviously not going to win a Super Bowl. That would suggest, in, in one perspective, that it's not a successful season. And that standard is still there. Um, I think people put way too much into nonsense, hallmark sound bites that coaches give anyway. The reality is, if you objectively view this team, and many people just won't do that, it is not nearly, not nearly as talented offensively as they think that it is. And that is not because of Matt Canada. It's not simply because of one offensive lineman. There are a lot of things at work, and there are a lot of things that they need to fix. I will call it a success because my expectations were low, really, really low, and they exceeded them. That bar goes up a bit this year. Um, I want to look at... Uh, what they're going to do, how that's all going to fit together before making anything of a final prediction. But they should be a, a more competitive football team in every game that they play this year. They, they shouldn't have to get blown out uh, in dramatic fashion by two of the best teams in, in the NFL. We'll see how that pans out for them. But uh, I think it's a success. But moving forward, obviously, is the more important issue here. Uh, and there are a lot of questions that they're going to answer in due time. It's not that they're struggling with any of this. It, it's we, they work on the time frame that they work on, and they're not playing tomorrow. So it's not as if most of the decisions that they have in front of them need to be made right now. In fact, they probably won't be. Um, as Mark Cabali of The Athletic mentioned, uh, Mike Tomlin was away after the season um, attending to a personal matter. Most of the exit interviews didn't get done um, with the sense of immediacy that they usually are at the end of a season. So they might be a little bit behind as far as uh, they're, they're the immediate phase of the off season. They will address things that we've talked about for months. You just, a lot of that you just can't do in the middle of the season. You can have conversations about it, but now is the time that you really look at everything. I am sure they are hard at work with that. They're not going to think that it was successful overall, but come on, Mitch Trubisky was your starter. Uh, a rookie taken 20 overall started most of your games they had injuries. There were a lot of things that, that would have prevented them from having a much worse record than nine and eight. In my opinion, if you would have told me that those things would happen back in August, I would have said probably five and 12, really. Um, it, not many things worked in their favor and they didn't have a whole lot of margin for error anyway. And they exceeded expectations. I would call it a success, but I would also call it incomplete. They're not done yet. Um, they're still rebuilding. There's, Nobody should have read or thought a whole lot into anything that was said regarding the Steelers saying that they want to go out and compete because that's the message they have to send. Realistically, nobody could think that this team was going to compete for a Super Bowl this year. Nobody. And, it, and, and they didn't. So it uh, shouldn't be a surprise at all. I, I like what they're building now, but by no means is it a, a finished product. Yeah, I think we always say on this show that the answers to your questions are typically always between the white lines. And 
like you said so astutely. And what's up, Reginald, from Bartlett, Tennessee? What's happening, my guy? You need to send me some bourbon. Um, and with that being said, when you start Mitch Trubisky, that, that's the key thing. When you start Mitch Trubisky, we're talking about football coaches that have an expert knowledge of the game, personnel, players, scheme, so on and so forth. You're not going to fool them. You may fool us, but you're not going to fool them. They know what they're getting in Mitch Trubisky. They absolutely know what they're getting in Mitch Trubisky when they're going into a season. They know what he is. They know probably what he will be. They have a very good educated guess. And they know when you're starting Mitch Trubisky, it makes a big statement on the season. And big up Rob Cotting from Connecticut. And big up everybody on the live chat. But I want to switch real. So I think the Steelers went into the season thinking, if we can win some games with Mitch, great. If not, this is a rebuilding year. But they can't say that. They can't say that, especially post-COVID. They need you to spend money on tickets, so on and so forth. And they have an expectation that they want to win. It is a proud franchise that has six championships. So if their plan results in winning, it does. Great. I mean, but. They were starting Mitch Trubisky. What's up, Big Mail? Big up to the brothers of Omega Sci-Fi. But let's switch to the topic at hand. And I'm going to toss it to you, Neil. Now, I've composed some numbers to help make the argument one way or another. Um, but let me just toss it to you. And let me toss you the big question, the elephant in the room question. Because all of Steeler Nation has said... <laughs> No, but let me ask you this, Neil, because I think Steeler Nation was expecting the Pittsburgh Steelers at the end of the season to fire Matt Canada five seconds after the last game. And I think Steeler Nation is a little disappointed because there's been really little movement or information on the Matt Canada front. Like it's been quiet. Like you said, Mike Tomlin had a personal matter. There hasn't been much going on or much discussion about the staff changes, additions, whatever, that everything is kind of just status quo at the moment. So let me ask you the question, just flat out, the big question. Should Matt Canada stay? And if he should stay, in your opinion, are there any numbers or, or, or what points to that if you think he should stay? What's your argument for that? Um, overall, I I don't think that he should. I want to address the beginning part of this, though. I, I think this is more important. What people need to understand is the Steelers and really NFL and any NFL team, they don't make their decisions for vengeance. They're not looking for blood. They're not looking for a sacrificial lamb. They're looking to make their teams better. Okay. Everyone wanted Brandon Staley fired after their horrendous uh, uh, choke in the playoffs. I don't blame them for thinking that. I'm not saying that Brandon Staley should or should not keep his job, but they are not going to fire a coach, which is also to say spend millions of dollars to get rid of the coach and then spend millions of more dollars on a new coach. They're not going to do that because of one game. Okay. The coordinator level, less money, 
easier to, to remove as needed. And as you probably know, the Chargers removed their coordinator as well as their quarterbacks coach for a team that really underachieved offensively all season. There was a season-long argument. When we get caught up in the emotion of the whole thing, the knee-jerk reaction, the, the somehow reasonable take that people have that we as fans deserve vengeance and we deserve for somebody else to spend millions of dollars so we can have the satisfaction of this person being removed despite the fact the personnel is what it is. I'm not sure what you're going to get that's better. Again, I'm, I'm saying I feel a, a different direction offensively is in order for the Steelers. But, and this is a significant you know, conjunction here, keep in mind your affinity for the Steelers, your love of the Steelers might be possibly blinding you when you look at the situation. Do you, you on, objectively, do you honestly think a high-level offensive coordinator with a great reputation and scheme wants to come in to Pittsburgh as a coordinator with the most entrenched coach in the league with a, a, a very conservative approach to the coaching staff, spending, control. Does that coordinator want to come to Pittsburgh to make more out of Kenny Pickett, who we all love, is limited in terms of traits. He just is. His ceiling is not incredibly high. A team that wants to run the ball per mandate by at least the head coach, if not the owner. A great defensive team, but a tough situation on offense that at best is going to have a lot of young, new players next year. Or it's going to be the same as the one that just scored 18 points a game over the course of the season and didn't qualify for the playoffs. That said, if you still wish Matt Canada should go, my, what I would really say is let's talk again come late September because I, I don't really think what we know today, a coordinator uh, with the chops to come in and, and fix the Steelers' offense and make them play 110% of who they are is available uh, right now who wants to come to the Steelers. All right. I know you hate that, but really the type of savior that you're talking about on the offensive side of the ball is somebody that has head coaching aspirations. Now we can get into the whole coaching tree nonsense as if that's the mark of a good head coach, having somebody else hire their, their coaches way. The Steelers don't want, their coordinators to go get other jobs that's why they don't i mean it, it's maybe they don't want that maybe they want continuity out of those positions they want to hire somebody who's going to be there and stay there they're not going to go out and try to hire the hot shot offensive coordinator because in, in reality the hot shot offensive coordinator if he does his job he's gone in a year they don't want that they want continuity and there's something to be said for that this is what they want to set up matt canada fits a lot of that Nobody's hiring Matt Canada for a head coaching job, okay? Nobody. I, I, don't think there are many teams that, I don't think there are many teams that want him as an offensive coordinator. I think, though, he's the Steelers' disaster. He's the Steelers' issue. 
they have a guy in the wings right now who's been an NFL offensive coordinator, who's currently working with Kenny Pickett. And for us to constantly suggest Matt Canada is the only person involved with the offense is, is ridiculous. If they got rid of Matt Canada, I'd bet money Mike Sullivan would be the guy that they would hire. I would bet money on that. Frank Reich is interviewing for head coaching jobs. Does he want to come be the Steelers' offensive coordinator? Do the Steelers want to hire Frank Reich, knowing he apparently still has interest in being a head coach in the NFL? Mike Munchak had no interest in being a head coach, and we know that to be true because he he doesn't even take interviews. Todd Haley did not want to be a head coach. He, I don't think anybody would hire Todd Haley for just about anything anymore. But those are the names that they hired. And the commonality that they share is that neither one of them had any more ambitions about being a head coach. They wanted to do what they do, and that's it. No issue with that. Nothing wrong with that. That's just them. To suggest, though, that the Steelers have their choice of offensive coordinators, there are these genius minds that are out there that want to come in and be linked to a team that is, frankly, mediocre at best in talent on on the offensive side of the ball little success a huge reclamation project if they have eyes on becoming a head coach which any offensive coach today with a level of success should have ambition on being a head coach is pittsburgh going to get them closer to that probably not okay ben johnson did a phenomenal job in detroit he has helped spearhead and create going back. A, yeah. a successful going back. going back to yeah yeah give me that a, a successful um flexible approach to building offensive success without a ton of high level talent ben johnson was a guy that was talked to about head coaching positions he said no he's going back to detroit he doesn't want any of the jobs that are out there right now he wants to stay a coordinator where he is because it is helping him move to the head coaching position that he really wants a coordinator that that's one less coordinator job that's opened up for a team that, you know, it might have a little bit more going for it right now than Pittsburgh does. How many, uh, uh, how many candidates are out there available who would want the Steelers job who are absolutely without a doubt better than Matt Canada that the personnel is familiar with that has a plan that will take this up, four, five points a game offensively. Who is that? They can interview all day. And again, I honestly think that this is the path they should go anyway. I'm just saying it is not nearly as simple as people want to make it out to be. Canada, uh, he improved quite a bit over the second half of the year. When I say him, I mean the offense. He had to deal with a quarterback change. He had to deal with a limited quarterback for the first five uh, uh, games of the season. He had to deal with a new offensive line coach, three new offensive line starters. He had to deal with a midseason trade of a guy that they expected to get 100 targets this season. They had to deal with a lot. Coordinators can't just solve those things overnight as much as we want them to, as much as, as we get pissed off at second and 10 runs as if that's the definition of the job. It might not be something they can improve upon by bringing somebody else in. That's all I'm saying. There is value to that argument. That said, I think I, I, I think it's time for a different structure. I think it's time to find somebody that has 
a bit more proved proven success with uh, a, a passing game. However, I really don't think that that's the coordinator's choice in Pittsburgh to make. And that's where this all kind of comes down to. If Mike Tomlin is telling the coordinator to do all these things, well, the coordinator's doing exactly what the head coach is asking him to do. Why is he going to fire him? I don't know. And, let, and, let, yeah, and let's jump into that because there's a lot of comments about that. First comment is from Mark Sloss. I think Canada is running a safe, conservative offense that Tomlin wants, a.k.a. a yes man, but his play calling still sucks. I don't, I don't think that, that's fair. I don't think that's fair either. I, their quarterbacks I, aren't I good, they, okay? I mean, what, what do you want him to do? I don't understand why you want this like high-profile, high-read, high-touch offense when you don't have personnel to run it. You have no reason to think that they can do that. So for them to go out and compete game to game, which I'd hope that you'd want them to do, they're going to have to work these things in. It's going to take time. This is part of the rebuild too. It's not just a draft and a free agency period. They have to learn how to do the things that they're good at together. And that's that's a big part of the coordinator's job. See, you can make the argument it came together toward the end of the year. So, And, and, and to that point, think about – you know, listeners, yourself personally, and again, please like and subscribe to New Standard today's program. Should I stay or should I go? In reference to Matt Canada, speaking, just thinking about an organization, right? They want to hire people that reflect leadership's personality, right? So, if you're a coach. And your personality is, say, defensive, pretty much close to the vest, a few explosives, but we want to play gritty style football, so on and so forth. You're not going to hire a run and shoot guy, right? You're just not, right? You're not going to hire June Jones. Um, Jones. So to some perspective, uh, that's a name, right? To some perspective, your hire is going to reflect you. Your how you see football, how you want to play. And but the funny thing about it, you know, when you were talking about this, Neil, was uh was that you didn't mention any football reasons as to why, you know, if you think he should go, but if he should go, but if he should stay, it's funny, you didn't mention any football reasons. You mentioned largely why they probably can't get rid of him. Because coming to Pittsburgh with an entrenched head coach is not attractive. What, what, I, what I'm saying is the offensive coordinator might be the one that doesn't want to come here. And people don't get that. Right. They think that this right. is like a destination for offense. In what way would that be true? By the way, just to, to get over the whole over the middle thing, which is the most ridiculous piece of strategy ever. I, I think all but like four interceptions the Steelers threw this year came over the middle. Okay, you got defenders on both sides of you when you throw across the middle, when you throw into the middle, when you throw to the sidelines and the outs, you don't have to worry about the, the whether it's an under linebacker, whether it's a, 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 a robber coming from the safety position. It's a higher percentage throw when you can throw it. I don't know if the Steelers could really throw either of them, but again, you've got a quarterback problem, which again, 
does a coordinator want to come in and, and work specifically with Kenny Pickett? Is that going to get that coordinator a head coaching job? That's what the best coordinators right now are going to ask. It, it's not rocket surgery. I'm a diehard Steelers fan. If I was an elite level offensive mind, I would not want the Steelers offensive coordinator position. I'd much rather follow whoever's going to Los Angeles. I'd like to work with Justin exactly. Herbert. Exactly. I, wanna, I glad, want that to be my legacy. And I'm glad you said that because the other thing I think you brought up in terms of should Matt Canada stay, it, it's the question of pick and choose. In the statement of pick and choose, I should say, because studs, as Steeler Freak would say, a stud OC will want cash and free reign. You brought up a great point in terms of the Steelers would have to pay the exiting. Uh, and Mel brought that up, too. I think and, Canada, and Canada has, has, a, has a year, year left, left in his contract. Has so a year left. And, and Mel brought that up. They still have yep. to pay him. So you'd be paying two offensive coordinators. And, and that was a great solid point, Mel. Like, they're not going to pay two guys. And if you're the stud guy, like the guy, what's the guy's name again, uh, Neil, the guy in Detroit? Uh, ben Johnson. So if you're Ben Johnson, you're scoring 30 points a game, right? Close to 30 points a game, right? You're rolling. You're finally winning. You're finally rolling. Why would you come to Pittsburgh? Yeah, There's no reason to come to Pittsburgh. There's no reason to come to Pittsburgh. <laughs> to be the offensive coordinator for Maple Mike. I mean, Mike's going to be your offensive coordinator anyway, to a large that's, extent. He's that's gonna the have way a, they're set up. And it, you know, we can get into the validity of that another time, but this is not the premier destination that many fans assume that it is to the point where they don't even talk about that being a part of, of the overall issue just to, to dive into a few things. I, I had put this up earlier. I don't know where the comment went, something to the effect of, um, so don't ever hire a good offensive coordinator again. Which one have they hired to this point? Have they hired a good offensive coordinator? Certainly not by the, the, the opinions of Yinzer nation. I know that I thought Todd Haley did a phenomenal job. Todd Haley was an excellent offensive coordinator. He had weapons to work with Randy Fickner weapons went down. With Canada down, they they haven't added good enough talent on offense for any type of scheme to get beyond what it what it is. And yes, Kenny's uh, uh, yards per attempt were pretty low. Those aren't play calls; those are decisions made by the quarterback. Okay, the offensive coordinator does not say run right, throw to Deontay. It's what the quarterback sees. It's what the priority is based on what the defense does. That's why Deontay Johnson usually is inside. He has the most field to work with to run the, the most, you know, he's going to get looks most often. And that's what you want in this kind of an offense, the way that they run things. He gets the most targets because that's kind of his job. He's supposed to get the most targets. Kenny makes the decision to throw the football, not the offensive coordinator not the scheme, it's the quarterback. You have a quarterback who is very young. He made a lot of really bad decisions early. He got better as it went on. We saw the progress of the offense. We saw the stats of the receivers increase along with the running back, along with an offensive line that, that participated at a, 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 an average level more often than not, which they didn't do before. All of these things contribute to the overall direction of the offense. 
you're not bringing in the level of talent of the San Francisco 49ers next year. I, I hope they can add a George Kittle, a Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. I hope they can add those guys. I really do. Because when you do, then you can do all kinds of crazy stuff. You can't just ask Kenny Pickett to do that. Okay. You ask Brock Purdy to do that because Brock Purdy has all pro super freaks around him. Steelers don't have that. Just accept it. They're not nearly as good as you think that they are. There's not much you can do. I hate to use this, but the, the reality is the cliche is true. You can't make chicken salad out of chicken shit. And that's what the Steelers offense is talent wise. They're not I very like good. Chicken salad. I know that George Pickens is a stud. If you watched the show back in April, you heard me before anybody else telling you how good George Pickens was. George Pickens, though, has barely played the game. Okay? He has zero experience. That's why he fell to the second round. He missed most of his, his first big year with a torn ACL. He was a project. He still is. There are things he needs to work on. He's got great potential. He's going to continue to develop. And he's going to be better and better. I believe in that. But it's not going to be right away. He did some great things. They weren't like strategic plays, though. He wasn't breaking guys down in the middle of the field. He was making sideline catches on errant passes from two quarterbacks who didn't throw the ball particularly well overall. It's going to get better. But an offensive coordinator with aspirations of being an NFL head coach is not coming here because Kenny Pickett is throwing the ball to George Pickens. Okay. Just, he's not going to. Here's the thing that's interesting is for the Steelers to get the type of coordinator. I think that Steeler nation wants they'll have to, I think that has to happen. Talent will have to attract that coordinator because I think the situation as it's set up, it's not the most advantageous position to ascend to a head coaching job. And to Mark Sloss's point, Pickens, Johnson, and Fryermuth aren't our weapons for sure. But they're, I mean, compare them to Cincinnati's weapons just in the yeah, division. It's just, it's, I'm sorry, and it's just laughable. Pat, Pat Fryermuth is not, it, it, he's just it's not, not the same. It's, I'm not insulting I mean, him, but watch, if, if you want to know who the weapons are, watch this weekend. Watch George Kittle. Okay. Don't tell me Fryermuth is anywhere close to George Kittle. Don't tell me that Najee is anywhere near Christian McCaffrey. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens right now are nowhere close to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. They're just not. Okay. I, I know that you don't like that. I know that you're all hyped up, but it's clear that these are the only players that you watch. I'm telling you, there are much better players in the league. Those are weapons. Okay. I mean, you it, just. It, and look at the Niners. I mean, just look at the yeah, Niners. The Niners loaded. are loaded. Absolutely I mean, loaded. Lot, they can do the whatever Niners they want. The Niners are absolutely loaded. They can do everything. I mean, you've got McCaffrey, uh, but but not to belabor it, but um, Blue Gold brings up a good point, and so about hiring. Um, and, and again, I, I don't know if it's – it might be the personality at which Mike Tomlin wants to play offensive football that's the issue – but I think you made a great I think you made a great point about, you know, one of the arguments as to why uh, Matt Canada should stay. It's because what they end up being offensively at the end of the year. Let's say they start the 2023-2024 season at the Cleveland at the Cleveland game. Score three touchdowns, score 28 points, 
uh, ran the ball effectively, made some plays in the passing game. Um, if you start from there, then what are you at the end of the season? And so I, I think it's building blocks as well. And so the other question in terms of should he stay, and you made a point about, you know, the scheme doesn't make a pass. Uh, the quarterback does. Players do. And so I think for the argument of should Matt Canada stay, you got to weigh it in terms of development of the quarterback himself, what the quarterback likes, what they're measuring this all on. Now, in, in terms of the quarterback himself, let me ask you this. And I've always wanted to know, you know, what the answer to this was, is in terms of the actual development of the quarterback himself, uh, is, is Canada working specifically with Kenny Pickett in terms of technique, how to throw, footwork, so on, so on and so forth? Who works with the mechanics of the quarterback position and, and, and that aspect of it? Because I know he's coordinating the offense, game planning, setting all that third down stuff, what they want to do, red zone stuff, creating the plan, putting it all together, so on and so forth. But in terms of, and I want to just go back to a play, I think it was in the Cleveland game with Steven Sims, um, when Kenny Pickett just did not see the over. The scheme had Steven Sims wide open for a touchdown. Kenny Pickett doesn't see it, doesn't throw it. And there's that disconnect like you were talking about how that's not the scheme, that's not the coordinator, that's the quarterback. Who's responsible for getting Kenny to see that and or to throw that? That tends to be your quarterback's coach, which is Mike Sullivan. Um, today, and understandably so, you were seeing um, you're, you're seeing offensive coordinators begin kind of their ascent. Uh, to that position from the quarterback coaching position. There's a reason for that. You need to have a good relationship uh, with your, your quarterback, with the guy under center. There is certainly, a, you know, some coordination with the offensive coordinator who's kind of setting the scheme in place. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Get him ready to do it. Uh, I would add this, and Lance, I forgive me for this. I'm not sure if it was you and I that were talking about this or if I was talking about it with somebody else. Quarterbacks today have all had personal throwing coaches uh, probably since they were like freshmen in high school, if they had the money to be able to do it. Tom Brady has been working with his guy for 25 years or something like that. Um, I'm not familiar with this guy, and I, I apologize. I'm probably butchering his, his name, but Pickett works with uh, Tony Rasopoti, Rasopi, something like that. Um, I don't know about his background. I'm sure that it, he's well qualified, but in the offseason, that's who they're working with. They're the ones that are really going over mechanics and technique, and it's usually based on what uh, the head coach, coordinator, general manager, um, the things that they're giving them to do in the off season. And that's kind of what the exit interview is letting them know what their future is, things to work on those sorts of things. Surgeries. Um, Pickett, Yeah. That, that's going to come up as well. Uh, Pickett will take all of that and get to work with whoever it is. 
probably on a pretty heavy throwing schedule. They're out in a field or they're, they're, you know, in a gym somewhere and he's throwing the ball constantly. You're working on your mechanics, your footwork, your hip action, uh, your follow through your shoulder, different depths, different throws, different routes, all of that. That's really where they're putting in a bunch of their work. Younger players that, that want to improve and want to grow. Um, that is not, I don't want to say it's an expectation, for a player, certainly not a young one, probably not the quarterback, but the bulk of their work is probably going to be directed from their personal coach. Should they have one? Should they choose to do that? Um, I only say that because that's what most of them did. Interestingly enough, at Sports Illustrated, Connor Orr wrote a piece a couple weeks ago on Brock Purdy's offseason after he finished at Iowa State, what he did to prepare himself for the draft. He worked with a, with a coach. They went over everything. They broke down his throwing mechanics, rebuilt him. And he looked, it, it, a, a couple people were on the record saying this, at his pro day and at the combine, when he threw, he looked like a vastly different quarterback than he did on film. He got a lot better doing that. That's through the effort of the personal coach. It, it's, it's the most time that they have to work with them. The position coach doesn't have a, a whole lot of opportunity to teach a quarterback how to throw a ball. You know, that, that's just the reality of it. But at the same time, passing is one of the most dynamic athletic accomplishments you can have. The human body is capable of having. It's because you don't get the same setup very often. Your, the, the mental side of it, I don't want to say it's disconnected, but it's not the same thing. Physically, you have to do certain things all the time in the right order, at the right speed, at the right pace. And your environment, you could argue, is going to be different literally every time you throw the ball. There's a lot that you have to work out from a muscle memory standpoint, from a recognition standpoint. It's hard. There's a lot of work that goes into that. You have to iron that stuff off in the offseason or on your own because your quarterback's coach doesn't have the time to commit that much to what you're doing at the NFL level. And in college, they can't work with them for a large chunk of the year. So they get the personal coach because there's a lot that they need to do if they want to be among the best. And Kenny, I think, is a great example of that. He's not Brock Purdy, but he's not a high-trait quarterback either. There's a lot of things that he has to work on to get the most out of what he has because he doesn't have the natural talent of a Justin Herbert. So the the work that they put in now is going to be where uh, the improvement sits. It's also why you want a quarterback that works his ass off. Um, Pickett seems the type that lives, eats, and breathes football. Uh, He's a leader. He's going to put the work in. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to look like come training camp. But uh, by and large, their improvement, it's the coordinator is going to go over schematic things, different plays, different looks that they want to see, where they want to get the ball, as well as assessing what he can and can't do and try to put him into the best position possible. Quarterback's coach is going to help with the mechanics, the mental side of the game, those kinds of things. Uh, The throwing coach is the one who's going to work in bulk of reps and go over everything with them on a consistent basis, not just during the season, but after the season as well. You know, in terms of should Matt Canada go, you know, I'm I'm with you, Neil. I, I think that Matt Canada should go. And it's not because I hate, like Blue Gold said, I hate, the hat that Matt Canada wears or that his name is Matt Canada uh, at all, that he's a Canadian, whatever. I, I mean, it's not because of that. Um, 
here are some things I want to point out a couple of things uh, why I want that Canada to go. And, and, and it's, it should be an easy decision, but I think it's a tough decision basically if because of the, his work with the quarterback. And you can clearly see that the quarterback is getting better. He's not turning the ball over. He looks better in the pocket. They're making some plays. They're moving the ball. You can tangibly see the progress of the offense. But there's some things when you look at numbers that clearly stand out. And Steelers Freak pointed out some numbers. Thank you, Freak, for that. Um, but let me jump into a couple of numbers. And these are some reasons why Matt Canada has to go, in my, in my opinion. The offense just not generate enough points and enough explosive plays you look at points per game Steelers average 18.1 which is 26 you compare that to first in the league with the Chiefs 29.2 that's a difference of 11 points points that's per down. drive that's down from the last couple of years this was a defense and, and that's down yes this was a defensive season mm -hmm. this is the season of Nick Fangio and so in terms of points per drive, Steelers, 1.76. Chiefs, number one in the NFL, 2.76. Yards per point, 17.8, which really illustrates the lack of explosive plays. Steelers almost have to get 20, 20 yards to generate a point, which would mean if yeah, they scored 30 yard points. Field goal. Exactly. 60-yard field goal drive. Yeah, exactly, which means if you score 30 points, you'd have to almost get 600 yards of offense, which isn't happening because they only average 322 yards it, of you, offense. You can't say it better than they, they have no splash playability, just none. Zero, zero. You look at splash Guys didn't plays, break stuff play. after the catch. I mean, Deontay Johnson, I'll, I'll say this every week because people need to understand how crazy and bizarre this is. Deontay Johnson had how many targets? Somebody looked that up for me really quick. By far the most targets an NFL receiver has ever gotten without scoring a touchdown. That is the combination of uh, him, not he and, and the quarterback not connecting on any deep stuff, but also teams just bracketing him and not letting him get anything after the catch because that's his entire game. When he doesn't have that, he catches the ball well. It's not that he's not effective, but when it takes you 12 completions to get down the field and score a touchdown, you're not going to score many points. It's hard to complete that many passes on one drive. And, and Johnson has struggled uh, to make plays, and they didn't have playmaking. Uh, uh, playmakers didn't make plays in an offense that didn't pass the ball particularly well. They ran the ball a lot, and this, this is a, an argument – I forget if the, I think this was the Baltimore game, it, it, a big argument that we got into on Twitter about this. Um, they ran the ball well and didn't score points. Is that successful or not? I say it's not because you're not scoring points. If you run the ball for 80 yards and then have to settle for a field goal, you probably didn't have a successful drive. When you put three of those drives together, you're not a successful offense. I don't care if you rushed for 200 yards. It's great that you did. If you scored nine points, you weren't successful. That's Pittsburgh and Baltimore this year, by the way. They were exactly the same. It, it's You need to be able to make plays. You need to be able to get chunks down the field. The teams that are alive in the playoffs right now, the point totals that they've had have come largely on their ability to not just finish drives with touchdowns, 
but hit on 40, 50 yard plays, usually through the air. You don't get those on the ground very often. So it's much there, more yeah. your playmakers than your scheme. And if you don't have playmakers, you can't draw up plays for them to make. It, it, it doesn't work that way. We're and putting the cart in front of the horse. Pass plays over 20 yards. Steelers had 44, which was 23rd in National Football League. Chiefs were number one with 73. 73. Plays over 40 yards. Pass plays. Steelers had three, which is last in the NFL. The Dolphins had 14. So the scheme, whether it's the scheme, the quarterback, whether it's Maple Mike's, handprints on this offense the offense is not generating enough explosives and that does not and that results into them averaging 18.1 points per game you look at every team in the playoffs i believe they've all averaged over 25 points per game and when you're talking about treading and you're talking about what the steelers are going to be moving forward offensively the jump from 18 to uh, 25 points per game is a touchdown more per game, right? It doesn't work like that over the distribution of the season evenly because you're not going to score 25 every game. Some game you might score 40 if you're not Steelers. And and so your average may jump. So, it, so there's a little va- a variance there. But to score an additional – and I'm just going to round it up. I'm going to go 20 times seven to make the math easy to score an additional 140 points next year. Um, the odds of that are probably slim to none. So even if Canada does come back, you know, from a points per game perspective, and I'm glad you said it, Neil, it's not going to be so much the coordination of the offense or the scheme. It'll be playmakers. Because if you want to have a jump from 18 to, say, 23, 24 points per game, you better put some super thermal nuclear weapons on the football field. And your quarterback has to jump and ascend. It's it's going to be the players that are going to have the larger impact on it, in my opinion, than the coordinator and whatever scheme they're trying to implement. What what I'm saying is – People are acting like all things are equal and everything comes down to the play that is called as if they tell them you four run these four routes and that's what we're going to do. It's not how it works. They, they run certain schemes and they have two or three, what's called a choice assignment, an option to run this or that or the other thing. If I'm going to rip Canada, it's going to be because they don't do a whole lot of that. They need to do a lot more of it, but Either way, when you don't have quarterbacks who throw the ball deep very well, which is weird because Pickett, I, I felt Pickett's best asset to the team was his deep ball throwing. We didn't see that this year at all. Mitch Trubisky is one of the worst deep ball throwing quarterbacks in the history of the game. There were guys back in the 60s that threw better deep than Trubisky, and they didn't even know what deep passing was. He's horrible at that. So cut that out right there. You're not going to set up an offense to throw deep if you can't do it. I, I, that's not a hard concept to understand. Don't act like, well, they just don't do it. That's why it doesn't work. They can't do it. They're going to throw away drives and possessions if they do that consistently. You need a quarterback that can throw it. 
which Pickett needs to figure a lot of stuff out there, I think. And you need receivers that can set that can be set up, which option routes help with that. More depth among your receivers help with that. That's a Todd Haley staple. If they have these things working in concert with one another, which is on the coordinator, you're going to be able to get more explosive plays with perhaps not elite level talent, which I don't think that they have at receiver right now. Pickens is very good. Not a go ball guy. We haven't, we haven't seen him do that yet. Hasn't played a whole lot of football games. I think he'll grow into that, but we don't know what that is right now. They probably need some more help uh, among their, their deep receivers. Chase Claypool was a terrible deep receiver for what he was, for who he was. It's why they traded him. It's why they moved him inside. He's a bad deep ball receiver. Chicago, I don't know what they're doing, but good luck. I, I hope Claypool does well, but he, he just wasn't very good in, in Pittsburgh. They need to load up on a lot of different things and their quarterback needs to improve along with that depth that they need on offense before I'm really going to significantly discount uh, the general scheme, which is not the result of the play. People all want to think that that's the case. It's not it. Quarterback needs to get a lot better. Quarterback needs to hit deeper stuff more consistently. Then we can worry about the direction of everything. And and that's a great point is with their playmakers – we don't know what the ceiling of the scheme is. And I'm not patient enough to see it. I know they need playmakers, but, but I, 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 you know, so I'm on record as saying, I hope they part ways with Matt Canada. I think there's statistical evidence to suggest that I don't think the offense is going to generate enough explosives, but at the if, same time, if they time, do generate enough explosives, Lance, it's going to be because they added dudes, regardless of who. Because the they added is. dudes, exactly, yeah. exactly, and, and so, but they don't have the personnel. I think, and like Steelers Freak said, the big dogs are averaging. Uh, let me pull up the comment. The big dogs are averaging twenty-eight points per game. Jesus Christ. And OC isn't making his team make ha- average a 10-point leap. He's absolutely right. It's ball players. It's it's personnel. I mean, you look at the Chiefs. They have Kadarius Tony. He doesn't barely play, and he was a first-round drafted. I mean, he doesn't really play. Like, he's like a specialty player for them. And, and, and they if you use put him Tony, in a very specific way because yes. they have other guys around that can make the other plays. Steelers don't have any depth. You can't, you're not setting up plays for, for Steven Sims, for Christ's sake. You, you don't have anybody there to do these things. It's just not there. Your running back so, is – Najee is a good running back. He's not a great one. He is a, a reasonable open field runner. He's not a, a, an elite one. He doesn't break plays, okay? Your receivers haven't broken plays. They catch the ball and they get tackled. That's not – there's a scheme element to that for sure, but Deontay Johnson's the guy that was supposed to be catching and running, and it didn't happen. It's not a scheme thing. He's running the same types of stuff that he's been running. They have to fix that. They have to change that. I would like to see more uh, – I'd like to see more of a dynamic element to their receivers. And I think that's why I'd prefer to see a different coordinator. I don't know what way they're going to go. I just think I'm not going to be surprised uh, with either one, whether they keep him or whether they let him go. I don't think I'm going to be surprised. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to keep Matt Canada. I think for everything that we've said, I think that Matt Canada fits into what Tomlin wants. 
I think it fits, like Mel said. I don't think the ownership group is going to pay two coordinators. I don't think the hot, sexy coordinator wants to come to Pittsburgh because it's not the job that's going to get them to ascend to a head coaching position. I they mean, hell, they don't have a quarterback left, which, to work with. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that I mean, honestly, I, I wanted to get into that, and I apologize. I've rambled way too much, but that's the type of coordinator that they're going to hire. And what's the first thing everyone's going to scream about with Leftwich? His stats this year weren't any better than, than Canada's were. Yeah, well, the, the coordinator is not ultimately responsible for the stats. It's not a results-based position. They have to set things up. I don't know how much Tampa Bay really had to work with. They worked with a limited quarterback this year. Do you see what's happening here? It, it's almost as if the quarterback is really important. And if you have a really good one, your offense tends to be really good. Coordination is important. I'm not trying to undermine it, but you can't ignore the correlation between success and quarterback talent. You just can't. It, it's it's still there. Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, we can clearly see, you know, in these playoffs that it absolutely shows up. But let's switch real. So I'm on record as saying that ultimately I want him to go. I think you're saying you want him to go. But we won't be surprised – if Maple Mike is the coordinator next year and Matt Canada is still the coordinator next year. But before we get out of here again, please hit us with a like and subscribe. I want to thank everybody for helping us get monetized. Real quick, Neil, and you were six for Woo-hoo. six with your playoff picks. It was, you baby. Were red hot, Neil. I was oh, five yeah. of six. Of course, I, uh, you know, you're Minnesota Vikings because uh, I have no faith nah, in I was Daniel not bet- Jones. I was not betting on that team in the playoffs. <laughs> Just not betting on them. But, let, but let's jump into our quick picks for the divisional round. Give me your picks. I, I, I'll throw it to you since you were 6-0 and this weekend. Uh, who are we starting with? <clears throat> uh, let's start on the NFC side. Let's start on Saturday. Let me give you the matchup. Yes, Saturday's game. Saturday in order. 4.30 p.m. Kansas Eastern City. time, Jacksonville at Kansas City. I, I think Kansas City is going to run a train through that team. Um, <clears throat> I think that's too bad because I, I, love, I love the Jaguars. I love where they're going. Um, boy, it, Trevor Lawrence looked like walking ass in the first half of that game last week. That was so unexpected for me. He's been so up and down. I, I love Lawrence. I love what he's about. I, I love his tools he's got some work to do as well. He's a young quarterback. Um, this is going to be a learning experience for him. Uh, Kansas city is going to, they're going to take him behind the shed. It's not going to be pretty. <laughs> and so get to the, all, give me all oh, you want games. me to do all, all of them. All. Okay. So yeah, Saturday night, then, then you've got a marquee matchup. And I love this, the, the giants at the Eagles, the two teams that are, are football dorks dreams to watch. The giants are such a, a well-coached, defensive team the things that they do uh, they are so dominant at, at all three levels to see that go against maybe the most versatile and most efficient offense in the nfl star power galore they're getting great play out of their offensive line their skills are, are top notch everywhere philadelphia has earned who they are but as we saw down the stretch they're beatable this is going to be a great football game in all honesty i i don't think I think the Giants would match up better with San Francisco than they will with Philadelphia, but I think this is going to be a, a, a very competitive game. I'm going to take Philadelphia. What's the spread on this? What did I see? Six. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure what the spread I'm look is. Look that up quick. But while you're looking at the spread, 
I'm going seven with and Chiefs. A half. The, Giants, the Giants are covering seven and a half. This is going to be a tight game. Philadelphia wins, but uh, I'm, I'm taking the Giants against the spread. My my picks real quick, and, and I'm not going to uh, mention the spread at all or, 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 or use the spread as a factor. I'm just picking it straight up. Uh, I'm going to pick Kansas City. Uh, I think they're just better than Jacksonville. I was watching the first game uh, last night. And uh, that came that game could have got really out of hand if Kansas City doesn't yeah. turn the ball yeah. over. If they don't turn the ball over, they blow Jacksonville out. Uh, I'm going to take Philly. I mean, people always say it's hard to beat a team three times. Well, there's a reason you beat them twice. In that first matchup, they really took New York to the woodshed. But I thought New York played them well in the second matchup a couple weeks ago. If Jalen Hurts is healthy enough to run and use his legs yep. – Yep. They're going to kill New York. That's all of it. And that's, that's the thing. all of it. I mean, they, they, he's got to run. And in that second game, he didn't run. If he's healthy enough mm-hmm. to run, I suspect he'll be shot up in that game and he will be running. Um, that running element is so important to Philadelphia's offense, too. It's not necessarily the planned stuff that they do, but it sets up their RPOs. It sets up uh, how with other guys they'll run the ball. But they've got the downfield and mid-level passing targets. And there's so many different things they can do. And Hertz is such a smart quarterback. He's really hard to defend. But if they can bottle him in, um, they, they'll have a shot at it. And I think Dexter Jackson against uh, Jason Kelsey is going to be an all-time matchup. Um, uh, nose tackle versus center. That's going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to that game. And so give me your last two real quick before we get out of here. Um, I This is crazy. I, I think Cincinnati is just simply a better team than Buffalo. I, I think they'll win. Um, I, I, I wonder how competitive it's going to be, but when's the last time you saw Buffalo play a really good game? They, they, in, in most ways they lost last week, they played terribly. It was, it was a bad game and they are so inconsistent and have been, I'm taking Cincinnati. They're pissed that they have to go to Buffalo in this game. They have the opportunity to have put it in Cincinnati to begin with and not even have have had to play this weekend. Cincinnati doesn't beat themselves and they're they have played at a much better level than people have given them credit for since kind of a slow start since then though i i think they've played probably better than than anybody in the nfl with the exception of maybe san francisco and philadelphia um i'm I'm taking cincinnati and i'm i'm perfectly fine cincinnati plus five which is like okay I'll, i'll take that all day buffalo buffalo does not play well consistently they just don't Cincinnati, though, does. They are very consistent, uh, and they're, they're the team that doesn't beat themselves. Buffalo does that often. I'm going to take in that game, I'm taking Buffalo, uh, the Hamlin effect, and that offensive line is beat up. Jonah Williams um, was not good, and his backup can't be any better. That offensive line is, 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 is in tatters at this point. So I'm going with the Bills, and, of course, I'm picking Bang Bang Niner Gang I'm going with the Purdy miracle to continue. And I better pick San Francisco because my wife is a Niners fan. I don't trust Dak Prescott, uh, although he played one of the best playoff games I've seen in the last 10 years against Tampa Bay. He absolutely lit Tampa Bay up. But I think that front, that defense gets after Dallas and they dominate them up front. And I think they beat Dallas up. I think the NFC championship will be Philly and San Francisco. And I think the AFC championship will be bang, bang, number three, the third matchup in a row, last three years, Mahomes versus Josh Allen in 
Atlanta. He played the divisional last year, by the way. Cincinnati yes, beat yes. Kansas City in the AFC Championship yes. game. Yes, yes. No, well, we I'm just know. saying they've played, they've played three they've years played in a row. Together. Yes, yes. And, and that would be epic as well. I just I don't think Buffalo can get past Cincinnati. I, I think Cincinnati takes out Buffalo this year. But um, I, think San Dallas, Francisco, San yeah. I think San Francisco wins this game walking away. I, Dallas, you want to talk about inconsistent. Dallas, this is probably why Jerry Jones like drunkenly was just gushing praise after beating Tampa Bay, which Tampa Bay was without question the worst team in the playoffs. I mean, they, they weren't good. Um, San Francisco has everything. They're the most yep. balanced and loaded team. They're doing it with this. Let me, let me just say this. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going on way too long here. This is the most telling stat I've ever seen to define not just a player, but the offense that he's working in Brock Purdy last week was 10 for 10 passing to receivers who next gen stats determined was five yards or more open. He was 10 for 21 throwing to receivers who were, less than five yards open same amount of completions 360 some odd yards most of them coming from receivers nobody was around he he found 10 of those okay it's not easy to find those it doesn't happen all that much that's how good san francisco is and purdy knows exactly what he needs to do with the ball and when you're doing that you're not turning it over when you are setting stuff up they're able to make big plays from anywhere on the field. They have the skills to be able to do that. Dallas, Dallas has a good defense, but so much of that is predicated on their rush. San Francisco can do whatever it wants to get around a pass rush, and they have, by and large. Defensively, Dallas can't stop that, that defense. They are so good. That secondary, you've heard me say this a thousand times, Lance. I, I will be screaming if Demeco Ryans is not hired as head coach. I get what, what's at stake for that, but he's a genius. That defense is so incredibly dynamic. They're, they have nobody's making all pro bids now because of how well they play as a unit. They are such a tough defense to do anything with. Dak has been terrible, by and large, this season, and I think it, the involvement of Mike McCarthy has probably hindered him a little bit. I don't think he's going to be able to, to throw well against that secondary. I, I don't see that happening. I think San Francisco wins by, by a good chunk. And with that, listeners, we have our matchups um, in the playoffs. <coughs> we have our – so me and Neil, I think Neil is picking Cincinnati and Kansas City, a rematch of the AFC Championship from last year. And I am picking Buffalo, Kansas City, playing in Atlanta. And uh, we're both picking uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia to be an epic uh, NFC championship in Philadelphia. But with that, we're going to conclude the program. And as always, thank you for tuning in. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Go Steelers.